VN. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Today is more of the focus of let's look through the windshield to where we're going than looking at that rearview mirror. And I trust me, got the explanation to what that all means as we talk about today's market trade. We had a jobs report that came out, but again, that's something that's already happened. That's our rearview mirror. China's demand, it's kind of been old news. Again, rearview mirror. But what about what's coming up in the markets with China moving out and more of an inside type of trade? And what's production potential as that we move forward into closer to harvest? We had lots of things we're going to talk about today with Sean Hackett. He is with Hackett Financial Advisors. And I loved your, your description about uh, stuff in the rearview mirror. It's now time to focus moving forward. But still, the jobs report was talked about today. And did it have any weight on the way the markets traded? Well, there's always a knee-jerk reaction. So we had the dollar surging in the morning. We had the stock market you know, get tanking in the morning. But now you're what you're looking. You're looking at the dollar coming way off the highs. Stock market now up for the day. You know, it's kind of the, the way I look at it this way, Susan. You know, we don't want the economy to crash and burn into a recession um, because that means more downside in demand, more downside in commodities. At the same time, we don't want economy to be too blisteringly strong because then the Federal Reserve is going to continue to increase interest rates and lower liquidity, which is bearish for commodities. What we actually want is a little bit of both. We want some weakness and some strength, which keeps the Federal Reserve on hold, but keeps demand good enough that these tighter supplies that we that we have and we're going to continue to have will keep prices at attractive levels for producers. And I think we're starting to get that balance between ec- ec- economics and monetary policy that's going to be more favorable for the markets going forward into the fall. So talk about moving beyond that jobs report. Uh, let's look at China. They've been in the market as of late. We had some purchases. But again, you're saying there's a lot more interesting in-depth things happening within China that might actually have well, an influence for us. Well, sure. I mean, you know, the demand side story today is something one needed to trade two to three months ago. Um, what we need to do today is trade what the demand from China is going to be two to three months from now. And one of the better ways to do that is to look at what's going on with local prices that have a tendency to be a forewarning of future economic activity and demand in China. Things like local copper prices, local hog prices, local lumber prices, they're all in definitive uptrends. Since the Federal Reserve mid-July meeting, they started to really turn up. And those always tend to go up well in advance of the first sign that you know we're getting the economic numbers out of China that show things are on the men. So that to me says we need to be thinking about and being ready for them getting this reopening that's been you know put off and put off back into gear. And we could be looking at some pretty exciting demand for dairy, for meat proteins, and even for feed demand as we get into the fall and into the fourth quarter. I think that could be three months from now what everyone's talking about and why prices at that point might have rebounded nicely from where they are today. All right, since you talk about that demand from from the meat sector, let's look at that. What is that going to mean as we move into this fourth quarter? Well, we're looking at very low hog numbers. We're looking at very low cattle numbers. So with that in mind, if we got Chinese demand really rocking and rolling again for pork and increasing again for beef at a time that our supplies remain constrained or we're getting even more constrained like in the, like in the cattle beef supply, well, that's going to create, we think, you know, some reason to think some bullish prices that we're already starting to see, especially in the cattle market here in the last couple of weeks. We're starting to kind of break out to the upside on the charts. Looks to me as we move into our higher demand 
part of the season for the holidays and that sort of thing where the demand for proteins, meat proteins is, is on the rise. It could be an interesting time to be looking for demand-driven move higher in U.S. livestock prices, including dairy. Which, of course, is going to make it interesting from a consumer perspective as they try to navigate the grocery store once again. For sure. I think for the overall inflation numbers, I still think the energy equation is the most important thing, Susan, meaning if we can keep the fuel price down, the you know crude oil price down, the gasoline price down, and we can we can take some of that pressure up, which is involved in almost every single facet of everyone's life, I think some food price increases will be more easier to handle by the consumer if we have some give back on the energy consumption side of the price chart. Having said that, is there any concerns? Energy prices, I mean, I saw a report here and actually one of our farm broadcasters talked about the need to get your fuel lined up uh, before fall hits. Um, That just adds a whole nother layer of issues with the way this crop has been growing. Well, I mean, we kind of know that when you leave summer and you transition to the winter, there does tend to be a lull in demand for energy, you know, and you tend to get some kind of seasonal lows in that September, October time frame, which oftentimes isn't a bad time to be looking at, you know, hedging your upside fuel costs if you're a corporation and that sort of thing. So I think in any year, that's a good thing to do. But certainly in a year like this, uh, you know, where supplies still seem to be on the tighter side of the aisle, um, clearly those kinds of actions, if taken correctly, probably are worth doing um, in case we have another, um, you know, volatile cold or some increase in geopolitical risks that may have come as we've been seeing here in the last 12 months. Let's look at the uh, little bit. We'll start on the weather before we have to go to, to break. Uh, obviously, weather issues will still brew and will continue to do so as dryness just seems to be the, the word of the weather market. Yeah, I mean, everyone got pretty excited about this dome and you know, 110, 105 degrees that the models were had been forecasting or talking about a week ago. And then, and then the heat backed off some extra rain got put in and then we you know kind of had the markets you know take a nosedive again but overall susan when i look at the weather pattern for august you know it's even though it's cooler it's still warm and it's just not getting enough consistent moisture to say that this that the soybean and the corn crop are going to come out and be trend line yields are higher you know not a terrible crop not a disaster but i just think we're going to come in below trend uh, enough to keep these ending stocks that have been low now for the last couple of years stay that way and keep the market very uncomfortable uh, going into a South American growing season. Stick around, folks. We do have a lot more coming up as we continue. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Let's check in with new Fontenelle Hybrids dealer Preston Smith in northeastern Phelps County. So what's been the most rewarding aspect for you so far? Being able to help your neighbors and fellow producers is the most rewarding aspect of being a dealer. There's nothing more fulfilling than seeing uh, someone have success on their farm and know that you played a small part in helping them achieve that. For more on our products or how you can become a Fontenelle Hybrids dealer, just go to Fontenelle.com. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, continuing our conversation with Sean Hackett with Hackett Financial Advisors. We kind of left off talking about the weather that's been happening. Wanted to talk a little bit about the South American crop. I mean, already it's priced in, but I'm sure the focus is going to start to turn to the dryness and the weather issues that they're having. Well, I mean, we're, the La Nina's hang on for a little while longer. Susan, our overall 
natural climate cycle algorithm is suggesting that we're going to transition to a neutral phase in the fourth quarter and then an El Nino phase in the first quarter. But they're still going to have to deal with this remnants, La Nina remnants tentacles in the first third of the growing season. And it probably means enough adverse weather against very tight U.S. supplies and global supplies that's going to lead to some weather premium that needs to be put in um, at this time of the year. And so we think that's going, to conti- that's going to be a favorable development as we start looking at planting in September and October and how that might look for their next growing cycle. So what about the weather issues that we continue to hear about in Europe? Is that going to weigh in at all on our trade? For sure. I mean, let's put it this way. Normally, corn production in Europe doesn't really matter that much. They're not a major exporter and they're not a major importer. But they are a large producer. And we went back and looked at all the data we could as far back as we could go. I think we had data going back six to five years for European corn production. We could not find a year with the, where the weather, the heat, and the dryness reached these kinds of levels and the vegetative health reached these kinds of low levels, meaning we just don't have another data point that was this bad. And so I wonder and I'm worrying and thinking that maybe they may not produce enough corn for their needs and need, might need to be a large importer of corn. When that happens in a market where somebody who's not normally a large buyer becomes one, it really can set the market off sides. And we think that could be kind of a sneaky, developing bullish fundamental that the market might may be just starting to determine or price in right now. So we would definitely keep an eye on any idea or, or concept that they might be a buyer of corn in the open market here. Well, you know, we talk all the time about the, the fact of uh, the weight of the weather on the on the grain side of the trade. But what about on this cattle market? Because we know, and you and I have had this conversation before, there's been a lot of herd liquidation. What are we seeing, even with the push for some higher cash that we heard was being purchased this week? How is this all weighing in on the way these markets will trade? Well, I, I think the market, the, the cattle market is setting up for the end of herd liquidation cycle. We've had, we have lower feed prices. We have been getting some moisture out west, um, certainly more than last year. It hasn't been as hot out west last year. Um, and, you know, the way we see an El Nino cycle, what does an El Nino cycle mean? It means more moisture and cooler temperatures. That's all suggesting that U.S. producers of cattle and beef are going to want to retain animals versus herd liquidate. And we know that whenever that process begins, it can be a pretty um, very difficult time for meat packers to get a hold of economic cattle when demand continues to be solid and strong. So we think that's where we are in the early stages of that kind of a herd uh, rebuilding cycle like we were end of 2012 into early 2013. And that would mean some pretty interesting potential upside for livestock producers going forward. And so as we've talked about before in your show, Susan, you know, we, we may finally get a chance to see the cattle producer get the leg up here on the packers. You send out the, the Hackett Dairy Report. Um, it's, it's a great podcast. If anybody gets a chance to definitely take a listen to it. As you look at this dairy industry right now, is there a bottom in the milk prices for August or what's going to be happening? We think the odds are favoring some kind of a bottom forming here in August. We've been very bearish uh, since the late spring because of the loss of Chinese demand. We saw and forecasted that that would be an issue. We've seen international prices fall. We've seen GDT 
auction dairy prices fall. But that's old news like you started your show with, old news. When mm -hmm. we look ahead, we think the demand for dairy could be decidedly stronger in the fall and in the winter. And remember, the issues going on in Europe with high energy costs, uh, lack of feed supplies, extreme heat impacting dairy production and stress to dairy cows out there. Um, in the U.S. West, still struggling with high cost of production. We don't see the production side looking very exciting here. So we think we could be set up here for a pretty interesting late summer low. And like cattle and like hogs, we could be setting up for some kind of a demand-driven move higher, you know, into the fourth quarter. And so if I'm a dairy producer, you know, I would be certainly thinking about, you know, trying to hold off on sales at this point if you don't have to make them. And we think you might be looking at some better cash prices as you move into the fall and into the fourth quarter. We like what we see. All right, Sean, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. Lots of information, Susan, on there to give your listeners a very, we do and how we do it to see if we could be of help. All right, that has been today's Fontenelle Final Bell. As always, we remind folks, commodity futures and options involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. And that's the Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.